It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, good afternoon. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to Talent Talk. If you're happening to tune in live or watching us live, welcome. If you're getting this as the podcast after the fact or just re-watching a replay, well, you're still welcome. So certainly how you interact with us may be a little bit different, but we would love your comments, your feedback, <clears throat> for you to be a part of the conversation, whether you're tweeting, commenting on LinkedIn, on Facebook, wherever that may be. Uh, we certainly really enjoy that part of it. And the reason for that is that you know, I started this show many, many years ago because I love to have a conversation with smart people and pick their brains and find out what they're thinking about, what they're reading, what is it maybe I should be thinking about or what I'm seeing, what they're seeing coming that I haven't seen yet so that I can help my clients, my, my companies, my employees, uh, those people around me to, to, to think and, and be ready for maybe what's coming next. So uh, obviously sometimes we can prepare for those things and sometimes we can just be as ready as we can when the unpredictable happens as has been a regular topic over the last few years on this, on this radio show. You know, there's been so many incredible stories. A lot of them have ended up in one of my two books, uh, which you can check out. They were Amazon bestsellers, The Power of Company Culture, and then the more recent one, Remote Work. So love to have you check those out. Let me know what you think. You can get them on Amazon or wherever you buy your books online. Now, Talent Talk is live every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, but we do uh, push it out to iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and all those places. And, of course, uh, if you're watching us live or you want to watch us live on LinkedIn, YouTube, uh, Twitter or Facebook, just find me on there and subscribe uh, or, or connect with me. And then that you'll usually get a little alert letting you know when we've gone live so you don't ever miss a show. But a big thank you to everyone who's helped us make that part of the show, kind of an expand an expansion of where we are sending the message uh, out there. Now, my guest today, uh, first guest will be CEO, uh, business owner, executive entrepreneur, uh, Gary Frey of uh, BGW uh, CPA. And then we'll bring in uh, John uh, Darbyshire uh, of SmartSuite. Uh, he's a founder and CEO. But let's go ahead and bring in my first guest. Gary uh, is a uh, as a connector, uh, a MacGyver, and a uh, confidant for CEOs, as well as the co-host of Anything But Typical podcast featuring behind-the-scenes stories of ripple-making entrepreneurs to encourage others. Uh, Gary has served as president of four successful companies, including bizjournals.com, uh, a business news portal, uh, which he helped transform from a three-person organization to a $100 million company. Wow, I'm going to be excited to kind of dig into that one. And he has a held executive positions in two Fortune 100 companies and so much more. But let's go ahead and bring him into the show. Welcome, Gary. Hey, it's good to be with you. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. So how does it feel when someone sort of 
you know, spouts off some of your accomplishments. I know I generally like kind of want to hide under the desk until they finish. I don't know how you feel when you kind of, you do a lot of cool things and then people start actually putting them in a list. I don't know if you feel happy or do you feel like you want to hide for a minute? Well, it's funny because I know the backs backstory on all of those things and some of them have some really ugliness to them (laughs) so (laughs) if people only knew (laughs) yeah it's like oh man you know if you want to just talk about the tale of woe i can i could go there deep and long but uh (laughs) you know it's it's a blessing to be able to look back 59 years of life on this planet and things Mm -hmm. that i've learned along the way working for some really great people working with some great people and working for some really ne'er-do-wells <laughs> that right. I've learned a lot from too. So, right. Well, maybe you could tell us, you know, uh, besides what I mentioned, what else should people know about you? What is it maybe you're kind of focused on right now or in, in that 59 years of this journey? You know, what's yeah. important for us to know right now? Well, if anybody out there feels like I don't fit or I wonder where I fit, I have asked myself that so many times, you know, my life career has been, I planned and God laughed and, and, you know, uh, all kinds of things. I've been through partner embezzlement. I've been through $30 million worth of us getting wiped out in a private equity firm. I mean, I've been through some crazy, crazy stuff. And what I've learned is, you know, we can plan, but we better get really grounded on what's important because these other plans can vaporize like that. And, um, and you know, it's great when they happen, but the journey really is important. Finding gratitude in the middle of it, and even in the dark times, especially in the dark times, I think has been foundational for me, for sure. Right, right. So it sounds like you've been through, you know, hard times, you've been through good times, you've had successes and failures, and uh, and certainly it feels like to a lot of people that today's, a business landscape is uh, more different now than maybe it ever has been in their in their in their time on this earth, right? Uh, maybe yeah. this might be parallel to some other moments in history, uh, maybe when the wheel was invented, or uh, maybe when uh, you know the internet was invented, or smartphones started, or you know, this is uh, other iterations post World War II, right? I mean, there was some big yeah. moments in history when work changed, so. What are maybe some of the attributes of successful leaders for today's landscape? Yeah, it's funny. I just got off of an interview with a filmmaker that came to my house. He's still packing up downstairs. I can be on your thing. And he asked me a similar question. And, you know, I think getting really serious about your why, Simon Sinek, right? The whole why. And really understanding to the best of your ability and keep asking that question, uh, because I think sometimes it can change or it can, it can shift a little bit. But the more grounded we are in our why, what, what drives us, what's our purpose, the more we're secure in that. What's interesting is you, you can flex and you can bend. You won't, you won't change what's your true north. You won't, you won't compromise on those core values which are so critical, you know, core purpose, core values are so critical for a company and but for, for individuals as well. But you can you can bend as the market necessarily needs you to. Like all of a sudden, 
something that you never thought of in your wildest dreams, you could actually find a need to fulfill that you actually are uniquely qualified to do, but was never in, in your consideration set. So I think, I think that's really, really important. The other thing that I would say is just, you know, being through some meat grinders that I've been through, <laughs> finding gratitude in the midst of devastation doesn't ignore the devastation, but it puts it in perspective. Um, and for me, being trained as a designer early in my career, I, I could find the flaw in everything. I mean, and, and it's a gift, but it's also a curse. And so I've had to really get intentional on finding gratitude in the middle of, hey, I don't like this circumstance, or I'm in a terrible and I'm in a really scary circumstance. Those, those two things have been like foundational, at least for me. I'm really glad you kind of remind us of this, uh, the why, because you know, so many people that listen to this show are not the business owner. They are not the entrepreneur. And so they may be feeling like, well, maybe me understanding my why isn't as important. I'm not driving the business goals or I'm not inventing the product or what have you. But I can't tell you how many people have been on this show that said, I knew what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to help people or I wanted to grow businesses or I want whatever their why was. And then you know, where they got their degree in or where they started their career turned out not to be the place where they needed to be, right? Like, they started off in HR and that wasn't the right place. So they started off in something else and they ended up in HR, uh, you know, but they understood what their why was. They understood what they wanted to do, um, you know, why they wanted to do it. And it could give them options. I, I've met people who were sort of suddenly found themselves unemployed and they were like literally only looking for jobs that were exactly what they were doing before instead of maybe looking at jobs that would would encompass that why would encompass why what they enjoy doing yes. or what right and allowing themselves that flexibility to maybe change industries or markets or job titles and 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 things like that but that that takes a little deeper understanding which I don't know. I, probably we all should have a college course, which is like finding your why. You should spend all semester figuring that out, right? Because I don't think anyone really makes people do that until they're forced to do it. Or maybe yeah. they had a really unique experience, you know, early in their career that helped them define it. Uh, do you think that's a, a, a struggle for people to have gone through that exercise or have been exposed well, I to think that so. idea? Yeah. And, and, you know, like what you said, I was forced into it. You know, my... I hadn't really thought much about my why. I mean, I had a pretty strong moral compass. You know, I wanted to raise my wife and kids and, and, you know, and I was building an ad agency and I was very, very clear about the kind of ad agency where we were building. We were Fallon McGilligan, one of the guys that founded it was my mentor. I'm like, that's what we're, you know, we're going to do. Well, I catch my partner on my first turnaround with his hand in the cookie jar twice, you know, like, um, and I had to leave my own company, it had my name on the door, or because I either destroy this guy and everybody in Wichita, Kansas knew him, he had been the head of corporate communications for Cessna aircraft, and he was 20 years my senior, everybody in town knew him. And he was a good guy, he just made some bad choices. Mm -hmm. Or I destroy my name by going across the street, taking this really cool thing that we built with all the people that I hired across the street. And if I don't blow his cover, I've just sullied my name. Well, at 32, that, that's a pretty hard lesson to learn. And I'm a college dropout. 
two years of college. And so I'm a designer. I would have never in my wildest dreams thought, oh, I'm going to be coaching CEOs or that I'm going to run companies or turn around companies that I had no in industry experience whatsoever. I mean, bizjournals.com. I, first of all, I was like, I kept telling them when they were trying to hire me to, to be president of this thing, I'm like, one, I don't know the publishing industry at all. And by two, I'm not a tech guy. You know, this is in late 1999. The dot-com, you know, thing is going crazy. It hadn't burst yet. But they're like, no. And they actually helped me because they defined, they said, hey, we need these three things that we know you have. What? And, like, and I kept trying to talk them out. No, no, no. You, you understand how to build a business from scratch. I had to rebuild my, that first one. You are a great connector. You, we need somebody that can connect across these 41 business journals that are very threatened by the existence of this thing called .com. And they think they're going by the way of the dodo bird. So we need a bridge builder. And, and then we, we need somebody that understands branding and, and can rebrand this thing because it was called amcity.com for americancity.com. Nobody knew what American City was other than a holding company. And so you got to find a, a name that actually works with Companies that, you know, some of our papers were called like the Atlanta Business Chronicle. Well, the Charlotte Business Journal. So we had, what, what's that going to work? You know, and so they're the ones that were identifying things that I was actually good at and saying, convincing me that I need to do that. Because that was like, I, I was defining myself as a marketing guy. Right. right. You know, so sometimes we have to get drug into it. But, you know, because of that and because of the fact that, you know, I took a job after my sophomore year in, in college, an internship that turned into a full-time offer, and it, for, it made me forego a college scholarship, that was a big albatross always hanging around my neck, quite frankly. And, you know, so I defined myself early on as a college dropout that was good at design and I could do these things. Or, oh, hey, I can go run an ad agency, but blinders, you know, like blinders. And right. people had to kind of drag me into it because they saw things that were innate that I, that I love to do. They helped me, you know, it wasn't like Gary was so smart. He went and figured it out. <laughs> but one of the things that I did early on, I did a T chart and I call it thrive wither. And I take every CEO and their management team through it. And I've taken our entire company of about 80 people through it. And it's 80, it's a 30 second, I mean, a 30 minute exercise is really simple. T-chart, split the paper and vertically on the top left side, write thrive on the top right side, write wither on the thrive side, just write all the stuff that makes you come alive. Situations, the environments, you know, variety, lack of variety, et cetera, all just stream of consciousness. And then on the right side, write the stuff that makes you wither. And so what I found in high growth companies is a lot of times people get stuck in the wither column because they're really good at that, but they wear out and they don't like doing it, but nobody knows until they either blow out or if it's the CEO, they're burned out. And so it applies to everybody. So that's a really practical thing that, you know, I had to do by necessity on myself in 1993 and 94 
and well, you know so anyway i know it's a, it's a great breakdown and i imagine you know that that creates the awareness right so someone can be aware of what, what where do i thrive where do i wither and, and we've talked about it here on the show it could be your strengths and your weaknesses it could be yeah. what gives you energy what drains you i mean there's some same thing of, you know, synonyms here and, and certainly uh, i think it's about figuring out what gives you energy and trying to focus your energy there as much as you can. And ultimately what's awesome is there's a lot of other people around you that take that wither list and go, but that stuff makes me energized. Like I like, yes, right. I love spreadsheets exactly. and I love creating budgets. And I'm like, Oh, gag me or push me off the edge of a short plank. But you like that cool, go do over there and do that. So how do we then take, but how do we take that exercise? and turn it yeah. into reality. Is that is that having good coaching? Is that having good mentors? Like, what does that look like going from this realization point to actually putting it into practice? Yeah, so here's how I do it with teams. And, and like I said, I started with our management team and we're about 80 people, so it's not a huge company. And then we've worked it down next year and then down to everybody. And, you know, the first thing is the self-realization of, oh, Wow. And I did this with uh, one of my colleagues who works for me right now. And early when I came on to that, um, into the company, I was hearing this person, I was hearing all the chatter about where they're failing and blah, 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 blah. So I found out I had her do Thrive With Her, and I found out the stuff that she was getting just chattered up about were, were things that she hated doing. And so mm -hmm. she wasn't going to be very good at it. And I said, listen, I'm not looking to be the next chief marketing officer. I've done that. I've punched that card. I don't want to do that. But some of the things that you don't like to do, I'm actually, I enjoy, and that would be playtime. I don't get paid for that. I get paid to bring in business. And that's how my comp is set up. But I'm like, that's playtime for me. I'd be happy to do that. She said, you, you, you would do that? And I said, yeah, because I, I need you in these areas. The stuff that makes you come alive. I have never heard one peep from anybody else since then. And she and we we do a thing called Standout 2.0. Uh, Marcus Buckingham, you know, who started Strengths Finder with um, Clifton, he started his own thing called Standout 2.0, and ADP ended up buying it. And the, one of the frustrating things that I've seen in all of those personality assessments is what do you do with it after like, oh, I'm a this and you're a that and you want to be talk to you like this, and I want you to talk to me like that, then it just breaks down. Well, th they have an app that does a daily or a weekly pulse, and you ask six questions. You know, did I use my strengths? Did I, you know, contribute on a high, you know, strongly agree to strongly disagree? Did my supervisor check in with me? Yes, no. Um, you know, what did I love to do? They use the, the, terminology of love and loathe versus thrive and wither. I'm like, well, there's nothing new under the sun. Solomon said that thousands of years ago. So, and it's so true, but then you, then you list what your priorities are and then, Hey, by the way, I need some help from you uh, from my supervisor. And that goes, and it's a weekly pulse. And then we do quarterly engagement pulses as well anonymously, but those kind of things have been so fundamental, especially in this, you know, remote work environment of two weeks to slow the, you know, curve, and we're almost two years into it. Um, there is no way 
we could have pivoted as hard as we did and kept the culture. Now, I, I would say the culture has suffered a little bit, quite frankly, not being in the office all the time. But I, I don't think that we could have survived and thrived, quite frankly, because we've continued to grow in the middle of the last two years when we had to go remote. Had we not instituted this, we instituted it in January of 2020. So we had a couple months runway. Yeah. Um, but I, that is important. And you said something that was really important where, gosh, I hate spreadsheets, whatever. I've done that. I've married that thrive wither with management teams on function accountability charts. So Vern Harnish, um, Traction does the same thing. I mean, it's all the same kind of stuff. What are the functions? Who's got ultimate responsibility? And then what I do is I'll, I'll horse trade certain responsibilities. And, you know, the CEO is still the CEO, CFO is still the CFO. But in some cases, kind of like what happened with my marketing director, I was able to take things off of her plate so that she could actually function in these other things that were really important. She still has the role. She's still the conductor. And, uh, and I can do these other things that are actually playtime for me. That is where the rubber meets the road, as far as I'm concerned, in that really simple exercise, mirroring it up against, but you have to have the conversation with your team or your superior or your subordinates. It's really important. And, you know, you, you get people who are in these positions that are uh, very confident, that are have a lot of experience, that are being asked to make decisions decisively. And, and then you go back to ask them, well, you know, let's figure out how to take some decisions away from you or some things away from you that you that are, you know, sort of in your witherer uh, area. And, and, but sometimes it can be a little resistant, right? Because they, they've always done it or even though they don't like it, but they're comfortable and can somebody yeah. else do a better job. And so it really can take a good coach and a good conversation to really help people, you know, let some of that stuff go um, and, and let somebody else shine at that. Right. Um, and not just and if keep you it don't see it as a demotion or, oh, this is going to negatively impact my pay. Yeah. There's a, there's a guy in town that runs a very big company, huge, the most innovative mortgage companies in America. And one of his things that he, and they, they do, they do culture really, really well. And they have cool merchandise and stuff like that. Like the guy likes wearing t-shirts and whatever. He likes buying the merch. Like he likes picking the merchandise. Well, you could go, well, that's what the, that's what the CMO should be doing or somebody, you know, a design person down, down wind. No, no, no. Well, he likes doing it. So like you, you're the CEO, you can do whatever you want. Just pull the stuff off that you aren't good at doing. Mm -hmm. Even if that, the stuff that you, that you should be good at doing CEO stuff, if you can have the humility and the trust with the rest of your team to go, you know what, I actually suck in these things. Um, COO, CEO, CFO, you know, CIO, CHRO, CMO, can would you would you be willing to do that? You model humility, and guess what? It becomes safe zone for everybody else. Yeah, and it's not just what you do, but also maybe how you're doing it. Um, I've, I've learned sometimes of those different personality tests at different times that would tell me, you know, when you're in high stress, you tend to operate this way. And I yeah. realized if I'm doing that, 
I'm hurting my team. But if I can recognize it and go back and operate where I'm at my best, even though it's high stress or, or, or in a deadline or whatever, that I can be better. And so I, I've seen a couple, I've, I've learned over the years, a few different techniques that leaders have used to try to make sure that they stay in that the good way, right? The, the positive way that they need to operate. Um, maybe the tasks are, need to be theirs, but they don't need to be a jerk about it. They don't need to get stressed out about it. They don't need to lower their communication or overdo the communication or whatever it may be. I, I think one of the funniest ones, we had Marshall Goldsmith on the on the program oh, yeah. years ago, and he said he has someone who calls him every week and asks him like two or three questions, you know, and of like, and it's just to keep him, uh, you know, in line, like to remind himself. He says, this person has no control over him. He doesn't. Yeah. There's nothing in there. She just says, did you do this with your time? Did you prioritize? And it's just to keep him accountable to himself, right? To nobody else but himself. I, I, you know, Tim Ferriss has got some good examples about putting money up into a, into a trust, right? And if you go and do something you've said you wouldn't do, that your money's going to get donated to a charity you would hate, right? So oh, if, you're wow. if you're adamantly opposed to your money ever getting to a particular group, put it in a trust, like put it in a temporary thing, like... If I don't do the things I said, it's going to go there. Right? Whatever motivation you need wow. to be your, I've seen extremes. I've seen, you know, more, more, more plausible, but highly successful people find ways to have levers, I think, to do the things you need to do. Um, yeah, that's really good. I, I, I've mentioned it probably too many times on this program, but I started a book club just so I would have to read a book every month. Right. Yeah, I wanted to good. make sure I read a book. So I have a book club. I'm responsible. I have to show up. I have to facilitate it. So I'm going to read the book. I will never have an excuse. Oh, I didn't have time this month because I feel social pressure to show up and deliver. Yeah, um, that's good. So you got to, you got to, I think people just have to find those ways. So anyways, we're, we're, we're just about out of time here. I want to make sure we ask you the most important question is how can people get a hold of you? How can they find out more about you? Where should they go online if they're interested in learning more about you, Gary? Yeah, LinkedIn is probably the best thing. It's Gary Fry, F-R-E-Y, G-A-R-Y, F-R-E-Y. Really simple. And by the way, book, this one, have you read this one? A More a Beautiful more... Question. No, no, I'll have to check it out. Oh, this is good. I mean, I've, I read half of it in one sitting yesterday. A, a workout buddy of mine that's half of my age said, you know, with what you do, he was telling me about this book. I said, I got to get it. So I ordered it Sunday, got it yesterday. Went through half of it in about an hour and a half or two. Um, but it's really, really good. So anyway, well, we'll there you to, go. We'll, we'll put that into the, in the into the notes for everybody. And Gary, thank you so much for being on the show today and giving us such amazing insights. I would love to have you come back at some point and give us, kind of keep the conversation going. There's so much more we could have gone into. But uh, yeah. thank you again for being a part of the show. It's a pleasure meeting you. Thank you for having me on here. It's been a joy. So I'll let your next guest come on. Thank you. All right. We'll be right back after and we'll a quick commercial break and bring in my second guest, uh, John uh, Darbyshire. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. 
In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news, or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Talk radio show. In case you missed my first guest, you can check out Gary's interview on our podcast. We'll turn it in or you can find us online, iTunes and LinkedIn, wherever you go. Uh, the live video, this is there. So we have, a, we have a little small change in programming, which we will adjust to, no problem. Uh, but our next guest uh, is not John but instead, we're going to bring in uh, from the same company. We're going to bring in Jeff Glasgow. He's one of the founders of Smart Suite, uh, and uh, we're really excited to have him in here today. So, Jeff, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, sorry for the change up there. John pulled up sick the last minute, so I got uh, I got hey, the call. Uh, so. I get it. I was uh, literally a couple weeks ago laying on bed, going, "If I just rest for five more minutes, I can still <laughs> do the radio show for five. Yeah. And I went finally. I went. What am I doing? Like I'm sick. I'm really sick. I right. just need to stay in bed. Pull the plug. <laughs> yep. So, well, fine. You know, why don't you take this a little opportunity here? Tell us about you. What should we know about you? What are you kind of working on? What are you passionate about? And tell us more about Smart Suite. Sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, this is great. Um, uh, so, I'm Jeff Glasgow. I'm one of the co-founders of Smart Suite, and uh, have been here for the better part of a couple of years. We've been um, working on Smart Suite for a couple of years as a new work management platform. Um, my role as a co-founder, you know, I've, I've always kind of lived, um, at the intersection of business and technology, right? So I'm not a super tech guy, but I love the application of technology and what it can do for businesses. And so, um, I've been through a number of different generation evolutions in my career, um, certainly as a small business owner, as a startup owner, uh, founder, right? So I understand the need for a, a unified work management platform. And so that's what, um, I spend my time focusing on every day is how we use smart suite to help, uh, everyday businesses grow. And so what does Smart Suite do? Maybe you can kind of help us get a little deeper on that. Sure. Smart Suite's a work management platform, and it's really built for, um, as a business owner, for all your projects, all your processes, and all your everyday tasks. So if you think about one platform you can run your entire business on, that is Smart Suite. So typically, you're going to have you know databases and spreadsheets and bubblegum and email and shoestrings tying everything together within your business. SmartSuite creates a common platform. So you can run sales on, on SmartSuite, you can run marketing product development, project management, all in one spot. So it's really a new generation of, uh, of work management tools out there. Well, I think, as you mentioned, you've had a lot of different uh, successful uh, business ventures and things that you've been involved in over the year. Uh, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about what, how has leadership during that course of your life to this point, how has leadership sort of impacted that flow uh, and where you've kind of ended up today? Yeah, you know, <laughs> You know, leadership, it means something to everybody. I think if we look at our founding team here at SmartSuite, so it's uh, John Darbyshire, myself, Peter Novosel, um, we worked together years and years ago, and we've kind of seen, you know, a decade of business kind of evolve and us evolve and, and people we've worked with in the past go on to do some amazing things. And I think that for us, leadership's really about um, empowering people 
to, to do what they do best. Right. So how do you, how do you get the right people, first of all, in the right seats on the bus? And then how do you let them kind of do what they want? Um, and that's, that's been, uh, an interesting evolution to, to understand. And then also to, um, kind of see flourish out in the world once you get that combination, right. If that's a, if that's a fair answer. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. And it's interesting because we've had a lot of guests that talk about some of the moments that they experienced really poor leadership, right. And that kind of inspired yeah. them to be better leaders and to go start new things. I certainly had some of that where I had a couple examples of really, I had really great leadership as a kid. And then like my first couple of jobs, like really bad leaders. And it was like, Whoa, okay, this is not how it's supposed to be. Right. And yeah. other people who, didn't really know what leadership was. And then they got in and they had a great mentor, a great first boss, and they just, you know, immediately wanted to become that kind of a person in the future, right? For other people to be that mentor, to yeah. be that special person, you know? I totally agree. And I think that there's something to be said that didn't get talked about very often, maybe, but um, how to be a great follower, <laughs> you know? I think early in your career, like you're talking about, you have those fits and starts, and you're going to have those, that trial and error with, um, with any role you're in with bosses that you get just by, you know, you happen to land in a role. And, you know, I, I found that if you can be a great follower, kind of do your best to do what you're to get the work done that needs to get done and also try to kind of raise the bar a little bit. Um, you know, as a leader, I, I then find the people that kind of have that same mentality and then you see them kind of elevate up um, their, their role and become, because if you understand how to be a good follower, you can enable people um, as a leader as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, sort of looking at what you guys do and being able to bring lots of different parts of the organization together in one place uh, to really help with collaboration and engagement. Certainly one of the larger topics over the last two years here on this program has been the change in collaboration, the change in engagement. And I think what we have seen is that for a lot of companies, they realized their collaboration engagement was pretty poor, even though they were together and they thought it was really good. Yeah. And as soon as they sent people home and had gave them removed all the BS and gave them more time to actually work. And early on, we saw like big gaps of actual focus time, actual time to think and yeah. to really, you know, ponder things like productivity just went through the roof right now. Yeah. Some people have tried to screw this up in the last uh, three to six <laughs> months yeah. by saying we all have to come back or we got to have, you know, 3000 more meetings this week. But, you know, what are you sort of seeing inside of the space of collaboration and engagement right now? Yeah, I mean, everything you said, I, I agree with. And it's, it is a dynamic space for sure. You know, we um, we started this company 100% remote. And so we've um, we happened to kind of, you know, start in, in conjunction with the pandemic as well. So it was like we had this mass, we were participating in this mass scale experiment, you know, and I think I tend to agree with everything you just said on the, the productivity levels and and cutting out the BS meetings. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that are, is challenging is uh, how do you build culture in that setting? All right. So how, some of the cultural things of how do you connect? How do you share ideas? You know, how do you, um, how do you build a culture that's in the cracks between meetings that in the workplace where you're sh sitting around shooting the breeze a little bit and getting to know people. And um, so we have, as a platform, we have integrated communication built into the platform. So we think that getting everybody on the same page, working in the same tool in the same system and all day, every day, one, it gives you the same foundational understanding of, you know, the work that's getting done. So there's less need for meetings, hopefully. Um, but there's also some time to, and some, we have some cool templates you can download out there to, you know, share ideas, you know, create a learning library you can share with, with the community. So we're trying to do some things in the platform kind of pre-built that you can download, install into your platform that's in your subscription that's 
um, kind of builds that culture a little bit too. So, I mean, what do you, what do you think we're sort of headed? I mean, there's so many different apps and technologies and working long hours. We've got, you know, uh, staffing issues with people leaving and, you know, hmm. it, it's kind of crazy right now. Right. So, you know, are we, are we sort of headed to this? I guess it always, I guess it's always a dream. Are we headed to somewhere better or is this just <laughs> going to be more of the same? You know, what, what do you think? Well, I don't, I don't know if this is a sanctioned, sanctioned smart suite answer. This is the Jeff Glasgow answer to that. I, <laughs> I think that we're heading, I think, we're, I think there, there are kind of two, two ways to answer that. There's, there's a workforce that, um, that people like me, I get to enjoy and I'm grateful for it. The ability to work from, from home or ability to be flexible, work from wherever. Cause the work I do as a knowledge worker, uh, is by and large in the ether of the computer, right. Uh, right now. And, um, so I think for people that are in that spot, which I think you're kind of inferring a, the, the mass uh, resignation, et cetera, I think what we're seeing is a shift towards um, empowerment of the employee, where I think maybe in the past, there's kind of a rules of rules of the road, the, the employer was in charge, they hold all the cards. And really, it's a, I don't know if it's the analogy for, for real estate, if it's a buyer's market or seller's market, but it's a market for employees right now. And I think what you're seeing is that you have to put some care into how how you're, how you're giving flexibility to what people want. You know, people are, you're, they're saying, Hey, this is great. I can work remote. I can take an hour to go pick up my kids and it's okay. I can work early. I can shift and kind of work around my life as opposed to really work being the object you have to work around. And as more and more people are experiencing that, I think it's like a, I think it's addictive, frankly, it's, yeah. it's a more flexible way of living. And it's without one that you don't have to have, I think the strict, here's my work life and here's my life life. And that balance where you used to go in at 8am and leave at five or whatever, or extended hours. Now it's kind of all intertwined and you can manage it what's best for you. So I think it's really a powerful and empowering state for those that get to participate in this. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's one of the big focus of conversation that there's been these natural moments you drive into work. So you feel like you you're leaving your personal life behind and you're, you're into your work life. Yep. And then you leave and you drive home or you take the bus home or the, the, the train or whatever you do. Right. And yeah. you feel like you've left work. Right. Yeah. And now you're back into family life. And, and I do remember back in 2009, when we started doing remote work, I felt like I stopped having these on and off switches. Yeah. Right. And, and what you instead had to do was try to try to create some balance and, and be okay that I was going to work from eight to 9 PM because I really had a big deadline or a big client, but sure. I wasn't going to feel guilty if I wanted to go volunteer my kid's class from one to two. Hey, right. And, and allow, and allow that shift and not be so like single minded. I'm on, I'm off. It's like, I don't know. I, I, if you've ever, if anyone who has Apple uh, products, Apple iPhone, you look at like your screen time. Yeah. Right. Like the, it's almost the same thing, like going back and reflecting on your life, like looking at it from a, how much should I spend at work? How much should I spend with my family and friends? How much should I spend, you know, do, doing things to improve myself, whether that's exercising or writing, reading a book or whatever, and then saying, where do I need to make adjustments? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I get my screen time and it says I was on TikTok a little too much. Okay. I need to not be on that app yeah. so much this next week and do other things instead. Right. Um, so it, it, do you think that's the right way for us to start to think about it in those sort of moments of reflection, or is there another way that maybe you're kind of suggesting your, your team looks at it? I think it's, I think it's just, there's a gravitational force that's just pulling us that way. And I think if you're not thinking about that from a leadership standpoint, you're probably off, 
you're not you're not hitting where the trends are you know the younger generations where where we are me my me personally i i can i've experienced that that eight the eight to five transition you know like uh by the way there's the speaking of apple i just watched over the weekend ben stiller's got a new uh thing on apple plus it's called severance it's about people have like severed their mind between uh work and home but like they don't remember going to work and what happens at work and personal home. So check that out. It's really kind of a trippy concept that is an extreme example of what you're talking about. But, you know, I grew up with that kind of that transitional period you're talking about. You go in, you leave, um, you flip the switches. The younger generation, the people are doing the work today, right? The millennials, the Gen Zs, they don't, they don't have a frame. They don't have a reference to that. Like they, this is just how they work. And it's kind of a, a, a fluid transition during the day of, Maybe there's a 8 a.m. yoga class and I start my day at seven. I go to yoga and then I go and, you know, kind of make up for that as the day goes on. So I think absolutely you have to be thinking about it in those terms. Yeah. And, and that's, it's an important reminder that as leaders, we need to be having those conversations with, especially anyone we put in that category that is merging those lives and those worlds together very fluidly. But it's to be having this, if we're noticing a change in productivity or a change in balance or change in, in their mood or their, their outcomes that we we can't separate work and personal so much we have to be willing to ask those questions and get in there maybe they are struggling somewhere personally or maybe they need to take a little more time and we need to help them figure that out because otherwise they just leave yeah. the only other solution if they don't think about it is to say well i'm just going to quit this job get rid of all those frustrations, go get a new one and hope everything else is going to be okay. But they're going to find those exact same frustrations over there. Exactly. I think you're hundred percent right. There's the, the end of the day, I mean, work is work and work has to get done. And I think that yeah. um, our, our philosophy and as we approach building smart suite is that we really are building this for the millennial, uh, the millennial teammate, the Gen Z teammate that's going to come in, be working in the system. Kind of, they're the ones doing a lot of the work, not the ones managing the work or leading the work and they're leading the company. Right. And so how do we make it easy for them, easy for us to understand the work that needs to be done and how it gets done, right? So we can help with the work side of that and we can balance things a little bit more, a um, little more effectively on a per employee basis. That's kind of the vision we have for, for SmartSuite. Yeah. And, and, and so do you think what you guys are offering is sort of giving them is it really targeted the employee to give them more of that balance or is that just a nice sort of after effect you know is it more about putting together all these different systems so that maybe we can cut down on people doing duplicate work or we can cut down on people you know uh having to do tasks they don't need to be doing that could be handled in some other way or some in some other program or with ai like what what is sort of that um yeah you know what do you i think, think i think that there's a cause and effect of that i think the I think our belief is that we want to combine all of those things so there's less swivel chairing between systems and less friction in just the process. Like everyday stuff that can be automated, let's automate it. Let's make it easy. Let's put it on one space, right? The 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 effect of that, and we see this because we use our product exclusively at SmartSuite. So the only system we use in SmartSuite is SmartSuite. Um, and so the effect of that is really you have more time to focus on what's important. And, and we can kind of balance things a little bit more effectively. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's important and, and understanding where you're gonna get, really get the value um, and where are you really gonna get um, 
uh, I guess, sort of the time savings or the synergy is, is important. Because at the end of the day, I'm a believer that, you know, you have to build people first. You have to figure out how to, how to manage your people, get the right people in there. And then you have to create really good processes to help them be successful. And, and that's the norms and that's the, the ways in which you move. And then the technology comes in to support it, right? Yeah. Uh, if you come in and you build it on the technology first, I, I think you fail. And, that, that, and maybe someone would argue with me on that, but I think you fail if you start with technology. I think you have a really hard time if you just start with process and you don't have the right people and the right technology. Um, you know, all the great businesses I know have had great people there at the start, right? That yeah. are really pioneering that vision uh, or that expertise or that invention or, or whatever it may be. And then bringing in the right people to help them. I completely agree with you, Chris. I mean, we have, I think about business capability when you're building a business, you know, before, you know, as you're building something, you, you need to go sell something, right? You don't have the capability to go sell. All of a sudden you want to hire a, you want to hire a sales manager and you begin to build processes and then use a system to run those processes. So it's kind of the trifecta of a capability is the people, the processes and the systems. I think it goes probably in that order. The most important is the people. Then it goes to the processes. Then it, what are you using from a technology standpoint? And then that should fade to the background. It really is about the process and how efficient you can make it. Um, so we kind of know we kind of know that role of smart suite in, in, in particular. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, certainly appreciate uh, you, you know you being able to hop on with us uh, yeah. and uh, you know, like I said, be be a be a great substitute here. Yeah. Uh, for your for your counterpart, uh, one of the questions that we enjoy uh, asking, uh, you know, our guests from time to time is: Is there a book uh, uh, that you're reading right now you might suggest that we should check out, or maybe one that you typically suggest, you know, your team reads uh, that that we might consider? Yeah, you know, I, I'm actually uh, my the honest answer to that I'm rereading a book right now. Um, it's uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Um, if you've ever heard of that or read that, it's a it's a pretty intense book. It's um, it's about kind of deep in the psychology of just human psychology and human human mind. But there's a there are a ton of nuggets you can pick up on when you're, um, especially when you're in a spot like we are where we're in the trenches of building the business, right? And there's a lot of stress and a lot of fatigue and things that 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 pop up. And there's some really good insights on how you can manage that and the nature of by understanding the nature of your mind and how it works through um, through points of stress and tension. So, pretty interesting book. Yeah, well, I'm sure uh, our uh, our listeners would love to check it out. Uh, and the final question is, is, how do people find out more about SmartSuite, how they find out more about you? What's sure. the best way for them to, to get more information? Yeah, you know, SmartSuite.com, and then you can find us on the social media channels. Um, I think all of them are at uh, Hello SmartSuite. And then me personally, um, you know, I'm, I, I respond to, to social media stuff at the SmartSuite channel, and then you can always email me. It's just Jeff at SmartSuite.com, and um, I'll get back to you. Love to hear from your audience. Well, fantastic. I really appreciate you being on the show and, and hopefully um, we can uh, have you back or, or your counterpart or both of you on, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, uh, uh, again in the future. Uh, and I'd love to, to learn more. I, I'm certainly, I know I want to learn more about SmartSuite um, and, and uh, with everything that we do from a technology standpoint. So hopefully our, yeah. our, uh, everyone who's listening will as well. So thank you again for uh, being a part of the show. really appreciate you being here. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. You guys have a great uh, rest of the day. All right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning yeah. in to today's show. Hopefully you gained something you can use in your own career in a positive way. Until next time, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2. 